Radio Newark, the home of Radio Newark Sport. Weeknights from 7. Radio Newark Sport. Brought to you with Smith's Timber Merchants. For all your fencing, decking and DIY needs on Appleton Gate, Newark. Visit smithstimber.co.uk. Tonight, the sun shone and we got a full summer weekend wrap. But it didn't go according to plan. Our four top teams all made a mess of it. Reports to come from Dalefield, Bolton Plainfield, Kellam Road and Marshall Lane. Welcome to what I've no doubt is going to be a sombre Radio Newark Sport. And we may just mention the team that runs out to this music in a couple of minutes' time. Bolton suffered at the hands of Adam Shepherd for the second time this season as the Clifton Quickie took five wickets. The winning margin... 232 runs. Another losing draw for Collingham. Chasing 226, they was left at hanging on at 200 for nine after their allotted overs. The high spot, Jack Copley's 70. The low spot, another failure for Mohammed. A four-ball duck. I think he needs the sunshine to come back. Fondon batted first against Beeston at Marshall Lane, but 102 was never going to be enough. The match marked the first team debut of 14-year-old Rhiannon Nolan Davis, and she is going to be very pleased with her return of six overs, one maiden, two for 18. And to complete a bad day all round for our famous four, Newark were bowled out two runs short of West Bridgeford's miserly total of 101. There was a couple of high spots, honestly there was. And in the best of the rest, Taylor Bowers scored 83 as Collingham 2's beat Loudham. Alan Jackson hit 70 on his return to cricket. And Eden Tranter got three wickets as Bolton Seconds collected another 19 points. And Martin Wilson of football fame scores 74 as Cornton beat Chilwell. And finally back to Miss Tranter. Her 18 wickets so far this season makes her our area's top leading wicket taker and puts her in the top 10 of everybody in the South Knots Click. I can't even say it. Cricket League. I hope she's proud. She ought to be. And somebody who didn't ought to be proud is a certain Mike Ashley. Listen to the music. If you come from where my grandchildren come from, you would not be a happy person tonight. You would be seething tonight with the news that uh, Newcastle manager Rafa Benitez is to leave the club at the end of the month. Apparently he and the Ashley regime couldn't agree a way forward for Newcastle United. Now on this show in the past I've defended the aforementioned Mr Ashley a little bit. He's a businessman. He doesn't give a jot about where Newcastle finish in the table as long as they don't get relegated. So the last two seasons have been an absolute success in his world because they've made a profit. Rafa Benitez is one of the best managers in the world. 
and he wants to be there right at the top. And he can see the potential there is at Newcastle. And he wants to take it for that potential. So which camp are you in? Are you in the businessman's camp, which wants to make a fortune out of Sports Direct in Debenhams? Or are you in the footballing camp, along with hundreds of thousands of Geordies? I personally think it's a terrible, terrible day for Newcastle, because who do you replace Rafa Benitez with? You can only, really, replace him with Mourinho. Because he's in that A-class of managers. But who are they talking about? Mark Hughes, <laughs> Gary Monk, Tony Pulis, and the return of Alan Pardew. So, uh, Graham Soonis has not got a mention, then. He must feel a bit fed up in that company. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just <clears throat> feel the same way that all, you know, right-minded football fans, never mind Newcastle United fans, all right-minded football fans will be thinking, you do not go into football to make money as a businessman or an investor or as a chairman <clears throat> you go in there to spend money so that your football club <clears throat> enjoys the best success it possibly can have on the football field and your only reward is not financial it is to bask in the glory of it and you know I mean that is simple as you know you, you don't go into football if you're not prepared to lose a hell of a lot of money because that's the kind of sport it is. It's like you don't go into motor racing to make money because the sport eats money. You go into it to use your profits off your other businesses. I mean, that's a fact of life, isn't it? Mm. That is how it works. Yeah. You know, if football became a business, two-thirds of the football clubs would shut down overnight. Yeah, because it's just because they're all run so badly... But the run for the supporters to have a you know the best possible time they can have, and I mean you you said that tonight was going to be a sombre show, I mean it certainly is from a football point of view because I know the cricket teams didn't do too well this weekend, but for football that is horrific news. You see, there's no winners in this, is there? Because Benitez is going to struggle to find a club that fits the stature of the Champions League winner, a Europa League winner, and the man that saved Newcastle United he, he could go to China because he's been offered £12 million a year in China but there again that's the end of his career isn't it quite frankly if he's going to go out there he's you know Mickey Mouse job that is just to take the money and that would be disappointing if that's where he ends up mm. that would be disappointing Ashley he obviously is not going to win because he's not going to find a successor that comes anywhere near beneath his success experience and expertise and you know even if he had one supporter north of the time, he won't have that anymore. Not that he's going to bother him, because he never, you know, <coughs> he'll just sit in London and well, he, he and count the money. He, he, he doesn't seem to have a, a human thought in his head, bless him, does he? I mean, you know, he's not, certainly no compassion. None at all, it's just... Because, I mean, like, sort of, whoever you support, Newcastle United fans are some of the best in the country. I equate them with Scotland fans. They support something that's simply not been successful, but they mm. turn up in the thousands every single week to watch them. What? The one I'm hearing more and more of, and he's, it, it, it's getting a, thing, a, a thumbs down from Newcastle fans, is Mourinho. Mourinho has now gone on record and says that Sir Bobby Robson was the manager there. Mm. I want to follow Bobby Robson. It, it would be... Because Bobby Robson's <coughs> his surrogate dad, so to speak, isn't he? Yeah, it would be, or, a, great, it, it would be a great emotional move for Mourinho. 
and I've no doubt it'd be successful for two and a half seasons. How can Mourinho work with Ashley? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half seasons? Yeah, but I mean... Two and a half minutes. <clears throat> if, 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 if you invest in Mourinho, you only get two and a half seasons. Mourinho mm. won't go anywhere unless he's given the money, and Ashley won't give him the money. It's a non-starter. Yeah. But it's, it's a non-starter. It's just, um, but the other four gentlemen that you mentioned earlier, I mean, dear God. You know, it's just... Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you get rid of Rafa Benitez <clears> and, <throat> and Tony Pulis walks through the door. <laughs> it's, it, it's 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 a job that demands a, not a big name, a great name. Yeah, in in terms of a manager, and there's no great names. There's only well, there's two great names available, isn't there? Wenger and Mourinho. Yeah, but I mean. Kevin Keegan's not doing out these days, is he? You know, get him back. He's another one queuing up to strangle Ashley. I think he's probably first in the queue. <laughs> right, Mr Smith, go and do your reception bit and let's see if we can oh, okay. start finding some excuses for what went badly wrong at Saturday at the cricket. And we're going to start off with Harry Atkinson at Newark. Um, while Tony's doing that, I can tell you what's coming up for the rest of this week because Tuesday night we've got a little bit of a special... Um, I've christened it Suggy's Gym, The Next Generation. He'll correct me because it's Newark Amateur Boxing Club, The Next Generation, but you know what I mean. Uh, Lauren Workman, Chloe Davis, Sam Hardy and Alfie Briggs-Price. Four youngsters, four youngsters doing very well in the world of boxing. And uh, they're all coming in tomorrow night to have a chat with us and we... uh, we look forward to that on Wednesday night. Um, very special friends coming to see us. Jess Weaver, as you all know, was our first ever guest on this show, young guest on this show, with the fledgling Newark Rugby Club girls. Uh, about a month ago, she went on to be captain of England under 18s, no less, at the Principality Stadium in Wales. So four years from getting the team together to be England captain. Where does Jess Weaver go next? Um, She turned 18. She's in the world of adult rugby now. So we'll see where Jess Weaver goes next. And Jess is going to come in on Wednesday night to tell us all about that one. Tony's struggling to get hold of Harry. Um, He's probably still trying to work out what went wrong at the weekend. So, no reply from Harry, so he's going to give us a ring, hopefully, if he picks up his his message. Um, if not, we'll see what Tim Clipsham's excuses are at 20 past seven. We'll, <laughs> we'll work through the list of excuses. But um, in between all that, um, we're going to just uh, keep nipping back to uh, what I know you all like is our stories that didn't quite make the headlines, and those are the football stories that just sort of went under the radar. Um, and the the board of Scottish Lowland football that Tony likes so much um, have confirmed that Bonnie Rig Rose have now been granted membership to the Scottish FA and they can be promoted to the Lowland League. Do you remember the story I told you a couple of weeks ago that Bonnie Rig Rose, um, after applying and being granted membership to the Scottish FA, mm. was it was rescinded because out of nowhere they changed the rule. And because they hadn't got floodlights, they couldn't become a member, despite the fact that when they applied and when they was given permission, they hadn't got floodlights either. But the rules changed, so they're out. 
Um, I'm sure the people who run the, who run the English FA are up there with them. But anyway, mm. but they're now in. So uh, that means, as a result, your beloved Berwick, of your beloved Berwick Rangers relegation from the um, Scottish League and Bonnie Riggs promotion, um, that Whitehall Welfare, another name that I hear from the FA, Scottish FA Cup, uh, will, will be relegated. So uh, I take it Bonnie Rigg are now playing Berwick Rangers. Well, I would imagine so, um, along with um, the Gala Fairy Dean and uh, Stirling University, who I don't know if they're still married. Uh, still married. If they're still managed by Shelley Kerr, I'm not sure they were. Certainly, she was the first manageress in uh, in, in British football. We'll go to the other end of the country very quickly because ex-Truro City managers Lee Hodges and Chris Todd have parted company with St Austell after less than three weeks in the job. Hmm. What they wasn't told when they went to the job is that most of the players are already signed for <laughs> yes, other clubs. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite what we we thought it was going to be. No, in fact, it was just them. It was just them two. Yeah, and about three players in the squad, wasn't it? Yes. So um, that's not gone very well. Are you watching? The World Cup. Um, yeah, I think um, I think Bangladesh are doing the really, really football well. football World oh. Cup. The ladies' football I, I watched World it Cup. yesterday. I thought we weren't going to discuss this. Well, you can blame your <laughs> mate, Harry. <laughs> okay, yes, I watched it yesterday. Now, remembering Fif- that you're on radio... 15 minutes. Remembering where you are... 15 minutes added time. Eight in the first half, seven in the second half. 15 minutes of added time for our friend VAR. I was going to say, this once again is all VAR related, isn't it? Absolutely no but place in football. for the first football. time this time, we had a team that didn't accept it. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, And I, I don't think that's going to be the only time. No. And I'm absolutely disgusted that they didn't walk off the second time. Because they nearly did the first time, and the second time was a great opportunity to stick VAR where it deserves to be stuck, and they didn't take it. Was VAR right or wrong? VAR was spot on, so what were they doing? Waving at the big screen, because the big screen showed it was on onside. But they kept waving at the screen. I, I just think it was a great... So Cameroon was wrong then? The Cameroon players Ca- was out of order? Cameroon were bang out of order. So was the manager, who has just recently got into the job after being apparently the fitness coach. So we can't blame VAR then? So we can't blame VAR for what Cameroon did, but we can blame Cameroon for not taking the opportunity of walking off the pitch and refusing to play anymore in a game that was going to be dominated by VAR. And I hope the Premier League follower. But is it all games going to now be... Yeah. yeah, but it shouldn't. It's ruined football. It's we, not the same game anymore. We, all we talk about on here, all they talk about on radio, all you read about in the papers is VAR decisions. Hmm. <sighs> I'm not a great fan of referees, I never have been, but we need them. Well, we used to need them, we probably don't anymore. Um, England Cameroon didn't have one. Um, I don't know where this is going, Tony, because this is... The road this is going down is the ruination of the sport that me and you have spent a lifetime watching, commentating on, loving. Mm. It's going to ruin it. You don't know now, if you to celebrate, if you score a goal for a couple of minutes just to make sure that nobody pulls it back. You don't know 
if you've if if if, if the ball hits your hand now it's a penalty all the deliberate i i don't know where this is going and andy Ein's coming in, in a few weeks time um he might say something oh no no and andy he'll find a fence to sit on but um <laughs> this is going to ruin the game that we love it's as simple as that if they don't either change the rules to suit var because you're talking about antiquated rules and total up-to-date technology something's got to give because the two don't work together. Well, football has managed perfectly well for 140-odd years. You see, most football rules, laws, laws, mm. somewhere in there, it's down to the opinion of the referee. Yeah, but I mean... VAR doesn't have an opinion. Football has managed perfectly well for 140-odd years without anybody messing around with it. And so, for them to introduce a series of new laws this season is rubbish anyway, but VAR... I mean, they've had to practice with it and found out it don't work. And yet they're going, oh, I'll tell you what, we'll try that then. Because it's rubbish, we'll introduce that to our game and completely ruin it. And ruin the enjoyment of not only the people spectating, but the people playing in it. You can't score a goal now and go, wow, what a feeling. Because you don't know for another seven minutes whether it's a goal or not. Right, and if you think he's got a bee in his bonnet about that, listen to the next story we're going to talk about after we've talked hopefully to Kim, Tim Clipson and um, David Pipes because in June 2018 it was announced that English football league teams will no longer be obliged to print a match day programme for every game and that's just what Steve Nidge have announced they're doing for this coming season from the start of the season they are going digital well we couldn't quite get hold of Harry Atkinson to face the music but Tim Clipsham is with us to face the same music Tim, welcome, welcome back. I know you wasn't there at the weekend, but you've got a full match report from, thankfully, the last time you're going to be playing Clifton. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, you know, it's like what we said, you know, when we played them the last game, and they're a Premier League team, really, mate, you know, that they've got probably three ex-professionals um, who do it week in, week out, and would do it week in, week out in the Premier League. Um, if we get them out cheaply and they don't bowl as well as they can, yeah, we've got a chance to play against them, haven't we? But um, if they come off, that's it, really. So, no, they come off again and it's one of them weekends you want to forget. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the bottom line is when you've sat down at the home and worked out where your points are going to come from to keep you in that division, Clifton wouldn't have been one of the sides that you was going to get any points off. So, you've not lost a lot a lot really have you the fact is yeah no, so early in the them. season and they're out the way yeah you just mark them off as though you're not going to get any and um you know it, it's, you, like you say you've got to pick your teams that you're going to get points against they're not really one of them um you know you go again next week take positives out of the game and and, and go again like I, i'm on the big build-up now to july the 13th What's that Collingham, is it? <laughs> I've got it down in my diary. I know you're looking at the next match. I'm looking at that one. Yeah, no, we've got Saturday to uh, worry about first. So <laughs> one game at a time. It's always good to play against Collingham, but Saturday's a big game for us. This is one, you know, we took 20 points off them at the start of the season and hopefully we will again on Saturday. Um, yeah, no, big game Saturday and big game the following Saturday as well. And then the Saturday after that, it's Collingham. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, 
the one I spot, or Reese sort of got off grand level spot, was um, Scott Barnsdale three wickets. The newly engaged Scott Barnsdale. Oh, right. Yeah, I think that's why his performances are coming good, Nick. Uh, I hope he's not going on a stag night on, on July the 13th. <laughs> no, he'll wait till after the season, I think. Um, yeah, no, Danielle's might be there, but I don't think Scott's will be. He'll, he'll wait till after the season. But uh, he's, yeah, he's, no, he's been amongst the wickets now, fairly regular. Yeah, this, I'll be honest with you, mate. It's fair play to Scott, because he come from Claypole, and, you know, they play not... You know, I'm not calling Claypole, but it's a lower level than what we are. In the last few years, it's just improved and improved and improved. And, like, he's bowling as well now as I've ever seen him. He really is. Like, the week before at Carrington, he was classed that day, although he didn't get a wicket. Um, and, again, on Saturday, like, all the reports what I've had back are saying that Scott, you know, did very well and, uh, and bowled very well. And, finally, Tim... Uh, well, no, two, there's two finalists... Um, the one before the finally, um, I've got to talk about Miss Tranter again because her 18 wicket is putting her up there in the top 10 in the hold of the South Knotts Cricket League. I mean, she's she's not that far behind your nemesis, Mr Shepherd. Yeah, yeah. No, she's doing well, Eden is. Yeah, she's, she's done well for, you know, the last few years. And, you know, the thing is now the club's strengthening and everybody's playing for places and they've got to do it, haven't they? You know, if they don't, it's... Um, you know, there's somebody looking in to take your place and fair play to Eden, she's she's doing well and she's taking her chances when she's getting them. No, um, she... Yeah, but, it... the, you know, the second team, fair play to Brett, he's got it going really well now and obviously it's strengthened with having a stronger first team as such than we have had in the last few years. Um, and there's a couple of young lads that get a chance all the time and um, Andrew Smith's gone down and done very well. He's taking his chances in the um, in the second team. I think he got four or five wickets on, on Saturday. He, he looked sharp in the time I was there, I've got to admit. He looked fast and, and sharp. Oh, yeah, he can he can sling it down, to be fair to the lad. He, you know, he can really... He can bowl. Um, and, you know, I know he's going to be pushing back for a place in the first team. Um, so it's up to the other boys to try and keep him out, you know, otherwise his chance will come. Alan Jackson got seventy. Did you? Did, did I did, and that was a that was a massive plus. That was Alan's first game of the season. He's had an operation, and that was his first game of the season. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Can't keep a good man down, Mick. You know, it's he's uh, score runs in the first team still, Mick. You know, and it's fair play to fair play to him to come back and have a game in the second team with Brett and. Um, I don't know whether he'll be pushing to get back in the first team or whether he's just happy for allegedly Saturday afternoon now. Yeah, he'll, if I know Alan Jackson, he'll, he, he will be pushing. And the trademark collar was up. Yeah, that's it. The strut. Did he have the strut? Yeah, it was all. It, it, it was all there. <laughs> I think George Parr got his first fifty for the second team as well on Saturdays. Um, one of the young lads who yeah. went through the and, um, and they are the future. That's it, yeah, yeah. No, there's um, young Connor Roth and um, my little nephew plays as well. They've played every game this year and gaining more experience, and that's what it's about, isn't it? It's you know? brilliant to watch him actually because I think Connor's about two foot six tall. You know, yeah, yeah. It's brilliant. <laughs> it really is. Uh, he, might, he might grow on a bit. <laughs> Find the gym, um, Dad, watch. 
just come out of hospital tonight, Mick. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah, brilliant. It's just I've just been down and seen him before I've come here. Um, he's on great form, you know. Um, so he told me before I left that I got to play Wednesday night because he wanted to come down and watch me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it's a cup semi-final or something on Wednesday night. So he'll be back down hopefully again and, yeah. Hopefully that's the Back in his rightful place. Tim, that's great news. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, mate. Catch, ne- catch up with you next week. Yeah, hopefully we'll have 20 points. Yes, let's have, a better, let's have a better one. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks, bye. 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 I think, Tony, sometimes you just have to, you know, as we said to Tim, whatever sport you're in, sometimes, you know, Clifton look like they're going to walk, walk the thing. Hmm. Um Anything you get against them, it's like, you know, playing Man City, isn't it? Anything you get, well, that's in the bonus yeah. column. Yeah, I mean, you, you, as, as you say, you look at your fixtures at the start of the season and think, well, we're going to get nothing from that one. But, um, you know, it's it's, uh, it's it's good to see Jacko back and then and swinging the willow. You know, well, I'm, 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 I missed his innings. Um, I spent the afternoon, or a good hour of the afternoon at, at, at Fond and then went sort of after tea for the after tea trip. And So I missed him and I just see him... Brett was orchestrating the field and Jacko was re-orchestrating the field. And well, you know... It, it, but it was it, it was good to see him out there. It, it, he should know what he's doing by now because the chairman of the league did say that he opened the batting with W.G. Grace. Yes, so he it's, did, it's, yes. It's, it's, and it's good that they're still getting the game, you know. And we've never forgot that, Mr. Edgerton, <laughs> but, you know, there you go. Right, next up um, um, on the list of... We've still got hold of Harry. Next up on the list of um, what didn't quite work out as expected at the weekend, is David Pipe. So while Tony goes and see if he can find David, um, this is what's coming up straight after we've finished at 8 o'clock. Radio Newark, the home of Soul Funk and Disco with A.D. Crampton. Mondays from 8pm. And A.D.'s coming back with his... Uh, he still hasn't got Susie Q, though. I keep telling him you know we need Susie q he reckons it's not soul funk and disco but who's never been to a disco and not heard of Susie q come on day. we've got to get you there right uh, tony's trying to get hold of uh, david pipes and uh, we've still got jaffa to come mark everington and we've got uh, we've got pipesy pipesy on the red phone or is it the green phone it's the red phone here we go david good evening Hey, mate. How you doing? Um, I thought I might tonight, instead of bothering to ring you, is just sort of play last week's conversation. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Yeah, it was uh, deja vu, really, a little bit in some respects, but not in others. Um, so, this week, yeah, at Kimberley, um, we got there and it was um, nice and nice and bright. Got to the pitch and it was damp. Um, so, hang on a minute, we'd, be, we'd have a ball first. Um, so lost the toss and ended up bowling first anyway, so that was good. We had um, drinks around um, about sixty-five, seventy for two, which was which was good for us. Um, steady start. Susan Kimberley is a real good batting track. So they increased the, the run rate up to um, a better level in, in the second part of the bowling spell of ours, and we had a seven down for two hundred and twenty-six. Um, by T, which was a good effort because normally 250 plus you're looking at there as a par score. So we were happy with that at um, at, at, um, at T. Uh, Lee Farrell's 
to FIFA, as did Mohammed, um, and there's one run out which um, which we took. So second innings, uh, we came to bat in, and the start was absolutely brilliant. It was it was what I was talking about last week, where we were getting the ones and twos as well as picking off the boundaries, and we got some momentum going straight away with real good batting, good simple cricket. Um, and rotating the strike um, but unfortunately we began to lose wickets on regular intervals um, by probably taking the extreme of, of the positivity end um, really really trying to push a bit too hard on certain occasions so we ended up finishing up 200 for 9 after our 58 was chasing the 226 um, Jack Copley made a, a good 70 uh, Rob Matchett made a, a very very good 30-odd um, towards the beginning of the, of the innings and a few, few 20 or 27 not out and, and and that was it really just uh, in the second spell uh, sorry, the second second inning so again we kind of let ourselves down with the bat because 226 was, was not a big score at Kimberley No, it's... <laughs> It's disappointing in the fact that I think a lot of us was expecting a lot more. Maybe we was probably expecting too too much when the season went on. On the back of um, last season, this is probably just a probably going to be a wake up season. I, I don't don't know or a se- season that it didn't quite hit it off. There's a fine there's a fine line, David, in in the between you know being yeah. success and, and being a middleman, so to speak. That's right, and it's fair to say, and you mentioned it a few weeks ago, and Gary mentioned it about Mohammed being a one-man team of us, and kind of eating my own humble pie at the moment from from a batting perspective. You could actually say that, but um, we still have quality in, in the team to be able to knock these kind of scores off. We shouldn't, we don't rely on, on Mohammed. Um, so we have to, we have to. We have to bow our heads, knuckle down, and, and get rid of any excuses, which we don't have. To be fair, um, we've, we've just got to work hard and turn it around. Um, we've got one off the game going quite well. That's another one inside. Just to see the other bit we need to sort out and work on. I'm sure we will. We've got the potential. We've got all the all the capabilities in the world of doing all that. Who have you got at the weekend? We have Alice at the weekend. Ooh, um, that's going to be a tough, eh? Yeah. But, uh, you never know. You never know you will. And it could be one of those games where we might have a bit go our way. Um, and they don't. And we'll get a odd decision our way as well, which we've not had in the last few weeks. No, that would be well. nice, uh, yes. But you, know, you, you have to make your own luck. You have to make your own luck while playing well. And it's all cliche, I know. But if you, if you play well you get what you deserve. I always like to have a chat to you about football, as as you know. Um, But tonight I'm not going to go down the way that you think I'm going to (laughs) go. Are you watching the Ladies' World Cup? I'm not, no. I've not really had a chance, but I'm following it a little bit um, from what people say and what I read. What's it like to be a father of a daughter who's just got Player of the Year in football for a a club? I mean, you know, I, I, I just just... Yeah, I mean, my daughter never played football. She always used to come football, but to have a daughter that actually plays football and yeah. looks like she's going to be very good at it 
and you're a football fan. How, how proud are you of that? I'm, I'm absolutely ecstatic, and um, it's it's one thing having your own sporting life, having a youngster of your own who who, who can um, turn their hand to something. It's um, it's brilliant because I know what sport was like for me growing up, and I can see it for her as well. If she sticks with it, she'll she'll be a decent player, no doubt about it. Um, she's <laughs> she's, she's um, when, whenever she comes down the cricket, it's football in the hand, football in the net. She's the only one allowed in the whole of Collingham, I think, to use a football in the cricket net. Strangely enough. Well, let's so be honest. Know. The groundsman's not going to tell his granddaughter off, is he? Well, that's right. <laughs> At all. That's the, reason, that's the reason why. Yes. So <laughs> she's always wanting a kick around. Um, she, she improves every time she plays. The thing about her is she's not blessed with lots of pace, just like me. Um, uh, she's got a left foot, it's like a wand. So you remember Ian Wayne, don't you, Forrest? Yeah, yeah. She plays on the left wing, and she, she's got a bit of a, a left stick that she can just put through balls and crossings really good, and she knows where her, her, her partners are in, in and around her, and she's got good awareness. Um, she improves the physicality with age and the size and all that, which it makes a difference. She'll she'll be she'll be a decent player, and she sticks at it. That's the main thing. Um, but the thing, the, the biggest thing about it is she enjoys it, and she listens to the coaches, and and she takes it all on board on, on what they're saying. And um, and she got coaches award last night, like like you just said. So are you really uh, please given the choice, David, a cricket match with Collingham or? Watching Caitlin play football, where are you going to be? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's a difficult question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I hope Dyson's not listening, but after the, the latter. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the correct answer, by, by, by the way. But uh, pass our congratulations on, on tour. And, yeah, uh, well I, have, I haven't seen Grandad today, but I've got no doubt he's, uh, he's beaming. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he is. That's another trophy that can go up in the Collingham. Pavilion. David, we'll catch up with you again next week. Cheers, mate. Cheers, bye-bye. See you, bye. Bye. Isn't it wonderful now that you can sort of sit on here and talk about somebody's daughter who's good at football yeah. or what we're going to talk about on Wednesday, who's good at rugby? Yeah. I know we've said this countless times, but isn't it fantastic? I mean, my, um, I, I was having a conversation with my wife uh, yesterday. You talk now? Yeah, well, she just sort of wandered in. Is this with age, or? No, no, she just, she just, I mean, she perhaps didn't know she was wandering in, you know, bless her. It probably is the age thing. But uh, I was saying that with our granddaughter now, and she's got thighs on her like Stuart Pearce at the age of eight months, and and her dad is an absolute football nut, and, you know, if she turns out to be a ladies' footballer one day, there'll be no bigger fan in the world than me of ladies' football. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, I watched England versus Cameroon with a vested interest, I must admit, having having spent a very pleasant afternoon with her. OK, let's um, go back to where we was before we talked to the to the boys. And um, you was trying to convince me that VAR was probably going to be the end of football as we know it. And then I announced to you that Stevenage's programme for next season is going digital and press the button because what you said next wasn't really... <laughs> um, you can't say that on radio shows. No, but what I said next, in fairness, is football is going to hell in a handcart because it is. Because, like, sort of proper football people like to have a programme that they read before the game with a pint in the clubhouse and they like to sort of 
keep that programme as a memento of their day or memento of their seasons past. And people collect football programmes going to football. And that's not going to change because someone is 10 years old instead of 59. You know? So, the, 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 the biggest surprise I ever got when I was at the advertiser was that all these people who took the mickey out of me over the years all had their own scrapbooks of everything that I'd ever written about them. It's amazing how many people come in here and say that, isn't it? Mm. Sit in this studio and says, I've got a scrapbook of, of all your headlines. Yeah, and you cannot do that with the digital world. You cannot keep scrapbooks off. You can't keep memories. No. And, you know, it's just a very, very sad thing that, the, you know, if, if, if football's going down that route with programmes, then, you know, I mean, I'm glad I'm really old because I don't want to mu live much longer in a world like this. Bloody hell, you know, I mean, it, it really is depressing. Do you want a football story to cheer you up? Uh, well, I support Berwick Rangers. I wouldn't be used to it like that. Okay. <laughs> a Sunday league football team has celebrated winning the league with an open-top bus parade. Oh, magic. Duck Pond FC... <laughs> That's better. ...formed in Harwich, in Essex, in 2011, have won the Colchester and District Sunday League. The club has marked each promotion since it was formed by a bus parade and a party in the town. It's the third time the team have marked the success in this way. Player manager Michael Hammond says, We want the world to know we won. Mr Hammond, 29, who founded the club, has spent £4,000 hiring a double-decker bus, plane bannering and advertising for the day, before the tour was made around Harwich. Duck Pond FC won the league and secured the Fowler Memorial Trophy last month, beating Hearts FC 3-0. The team has won 15 out of the 16 matches this season. Mr Hammond said the celebrations on Saturday left many players feeling delicate on Father's Day. Well, obviously this was a couple of weeks old, old now. And that got me thinking, Mr Clark, because a team around here got promotion and won a cup. And I haven't seen an open to open bus trip from Flow Serves Gates yet, have you? I can remember many, many years ago, Farndon United got to a cup final. And I don't think it was the Willie Hall cup final. I think it was something like uh, a Sam Arnold cup final, something like that. I'm not, I'm, I may well be wrong. But I wandered into the um, Castle and Falcon of a Sunday lunchtime and all the Foundland team were there sat at a long table together with their club ties and jackets on and they all went out for a celebratory meal prior to the, you know, obviously a light meal prior to the cup final and then went from there onto Simo's to play in the cup final and I thought what a fantastic thing to do because the, I can't remember what the result of the cup final was but what a great memory for all those lads involved there you know if you didn't get onto the pitch if you were an unused substitute if you didn't even get in the squad you were a found and united player for that day and you will never ever forget that meal together with your mates so an open top bus trip if you remember of duck pond fc with an open top bus trip around harris what a superb name or a bus and an open top coach trip around harris gary clark come on you, you you know me i've supported most football clubs in most countries duck pond fc i'm your man can you imagine Danny Meadows holding that trophy on the top deck of a double-decker bus? I don't think Danny Meadows should go anywhere near the top deck of a bus after a football match. It's uh, too dear. dangerous. Do you remember a um, 
one of those serves home games in in the way back at night time, I think it was. You had a um, celebrity visitor, Tony Incenzo. Yes, Tony Incenzo is a lovely man, lifelong Queens Park Rangers supporter. Um, he's he's on national radio. <laughs> Um, reporting from mm. a football match somewhere, but he, he goes around the grounds. That's his his hobby. A bit like collecting programmes. Mm. Probably mm. have digital grounds next. <laughs> um, but I caught up on a tweet with him the other day. Um, result of my 3.30 match at the Bodden Dean Athletic FC, which is on Anglesey. Yeah. And it was a match in the Inter-Ireland Games competition. And Guernsey FA had just beat the Shetland Football FA by two goals to one. I thought, how good is that? Guernsey and Shetland making the mm. effort yeah. to get to Anglesey yeah. in front of 208 people. But the interesting thing in all this, that was his first time at Bodden Dean Athletic, and it was the 2,291st football ground yeah. that Tony Incenzo has yeah. visited. It's, it's, it was a lovely fellow. He introduced himself that night. And um, I'd written a comment in the programme uh, which said um, something about uh, the wonderful football moments and I'd written, it may be, I may be doing it wrong but it's better than sex. And he said he will never forget that line as long as he lives. It was a smashing fella. What was you doing wrong, the football or the sex? Oh, the sex, obviously. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not good at football. But basically, <coughs> he... um well, he, he, what he, your wife says. But anyway, that's <laughs> enough. Moving on. <laughs> it, was, it was a hugely good bloke to me, a good, good football man. And I think it was at his suggestion that non-league football moved on to having... The non-league football day <coughs> Wembley, whereby the I think it was, FA yeah. Trophy final and the FA Vars is played on the same day. I'm pretty much sure that was his brainwave, and so it should be. Hmm. So we've done a couple of good football <coughs> ones. We're going to end up on a bad one. The charity Referees Support UK has called for tougher punishments for coaches who verbally abuse junior referees after three separate cases involving girls. The Times have revealed that the Arsenal Academy coach, Alex Nichols was banned for three matches for, ch for shouting at one girl refereeing an under-nine match and calling her a little... We'll move on. Now, two other cases have emerged, including one of a 14-year-old girl who was kept in hospital after suffering from a severe nervous breakdown after a confrontation on the pitch with an adult male coach. And the, and the incident happened when the girl was refereeing an under-10 boys tournament at Long Eaton in May last year. For God's sake. I was umpiring at Callum Road on Saturday for Newark 2nd 11 and we were playing Southall 2nd 11 and their umpire was Roger Greenfield, father of Simon. Lovely man. A lovely, lovely man. And also a referee of this parish as well as an umpire. And I'd been reading a stat this morning that 19% of all referees at all levels have been assaulted, physically assaulted, over some stage of their careers. And the, the suggestion in that article that I was reading was that anybody who assaults a referee, it comes with a prison sentence and that will be the deterrent. Just going to read that last one again because it's, it's, it's horrendous. Two other cases have emerged, including of a 14-year-old girl who was kept in hospital after suffering mm. a severe nervous breakdown after a confrontation on the pitch with an adult male coach. 
The incident happened when the girl who was refereeing an under-10 boys tournament at Long Heath... I mean, that is just... It's, it's just, unbelievable. You know, I mean... Go and watch rugby. <coughs> the, 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 the bloke who was at the centre of that should be banned from all playing fields. If Ever. Right, forever. Country, sign die. When he finally comes out of prison. You know, it's that. It's Absolutely just... It's, you know... I mean, if you can scar a child's life like that... Oh, God. I mean, the duck pond story was a cracking story. The duck pond and, and story that was is as, lovely. As, as, as good as football gets, and that is as, but, I as mean, bad that, as that, football that is, gets. That is just absolutely inhuman. Anyway, let's get back to cricket, and uh, next on our tour of the grounds, it's a trip to Marsh Lane, and I enjoyed a cracking couple of hours at Marsh Lane. The Fondon batsmen, well, maybe they didn't enjoy the day as much. Right, to Marsh Lane and to Mark Everington and the fourth in our um, tales of woe for our local cricket team <laughs> tonight. Um, um, but to be honest, I, I, I'm not sure that Saturday was particularly about the result. I think Saturday was about a certain young lady making her first team debut, but uh, let's see what Mark's got to say. Mark Everington, all yours. Uh, yeah, well, that, we'll start with the positives and we'll start with the, the way Rhiannon certainly bowled um, with brilliant first-team debut. Um, two wickets for 18 off, I think, six overs. Absolutely superb. Um, I think, to be fair, I think we bowled and fielded quite well as a team on Saturday. It was just a batting that uh, unfortunately let us down quite badly. It, 102 was never going to be enough, was it? Well, to be honest, we we thought we got half a chance because we did bowl them out for, I think it was 60 at their place. We thought, we have got half a chance. Obviously, when you're only chasing 102, you can pace your innings a bit differently. Um, we, we didn't apply ourselves batting. We, people, uh, a couple of people said, is it the pitch? And it wasn't the pitch. We played some awful shots, to be honest, to get ourselves out. There wasn't many times when we thought, you know, what the bowling's got out here. It was awful shots, people picking outfielders, people having to swipe at the wrong ball. Um, we lost Ian Robinson for first baller on uh, Saturday, which didn't really help because he's the one to want to hold our uh, uh, team together batting. But to be honest, we haven't batted very well all season. We are a bit short on batting at the moment. Bowling is our strength. Um, so that sort of performance probably has been coming a bit. But like I say, if you take the positive, you look at the way Rhiannon played, I think... Um, She's going to do well to get back in the second team now because I think we wanted to uh, come with us every week the way the way she uh, she played on Saturday. Certainly, I think young girl fourteen didn't get overawed at all and was was absolutely superb. Uh, I caught her with the camera with the bat. Actually, I just yeah. sort of timed it it it, it wrong. But uh, okay, she did get on the score sheet. But a couple of overs, she was in there, and yeah. again, she wasn't. You know, no, it didn't it didn't phase her, did it? No, she wasn't overall. The thing is, is, she's 14 at the end of the day. The power isn't quite there at the moment, but she she more than held her own. Um, she didn't look out of place. She she held an end up certainly better than a lot of us did on um, Saturday. So no, she no she. At the end of the day, I can I can say it over and over again on here, Mick. She's she's got a very bright future. She'll she'll end up going a lot further than find a cricket club with her ability. I'm I'm sure. The, there is a picture on. There's quite a few pictures on Facebook which involves you actually. Most of them you seem to be umpiring, but yeah, there is yeah. one picture on Facebook which uh, please go and have a look at on our social media pages I'll, I'll, of Mark Everton's back going in one direction and the ball going in a slightly different one. 
just an exagger- I think it was just an exaggerated leave looking at the uh, memory <laughs> certificate, looking at the photo. Absolutely brilliant. The one thing, I, I, I kept myself to myself because she didn't want any other distractions no. on, on Saturday, so I just kept uh, out of the way and just pointed the camera. But what I, I, I kept watching and did like, um, and massive, massive praise to Andrew Duckmanton here, because as soon as he was out and he got the pads off, he went yeah. and sat with her, and went and yeah. sat with her mother. Yeah. And, and, and when Rhiannon went in, there was two or three of you around her, just, you know, a few words, just, we're all together. Yeah. And then Ducko stopped with her mother, just to sort of calm her down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She'd probably had enough of him by that stage, to be honest. <laughs> uh, no. But she exactly. wasn't just left to us. A point oh, I'm trying no, to make no. here, no. everybody sort of, you know, they knew what it was about. Big, big moment yeah. for the youngster. And yeah. they went over there and didn't press you, just was there. No, no, she, she, she's part of the team. I would say we were all delighted when she got when she got a wickets as well and uh, fully deserved as well, to be honest. No, she, no she's brilliant. Like I say, it was nice to see. It was um, she, she, she played really well. We can't fault her at all. But like I said the other week on the Mick, when she played um, Bolton in the evening league, she went overall, she was playing better against better players than we play on a Saturday and she won't overhaul at all then and uh, bowled really well on that occasion and I think I, caught, I got a couple of wickets that night so yeah we while we say it's nice we weren't we weren't overly surprised we knew she could do it I shall be watching intently this weekend to see where that young lady's playing well I'd like to think she'd be with us but we'll have to wait and see I don't know whether she's available or not yet but we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see because we're playing plum three thirds who've also predominantly junior so it might be a good week to uh, to carry on with us to be honest lovely and uh, apart from anything else Mark the sun was shining on Saturday afternoon and Marsh yeah. Lane looked a picture it was nice to get a game in yeah a bit of sun on your back and uh, yeah it was a lovely yeah pro- proper cricket weather proper cricket Mark thank you so much we'll catch no you problem. again next week cheers see you Thanks, later bye-bye. And if you do want to go to our social media pages, there are um, a few pictures of young Rhiannon and some of the other Farndon players. Um, Rhiannon was showing them how to apply the bat correctly. Um, whereas Mark was, what was it, an extravagated leave. Uh, 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 extravagant leave. An extravagant leave, yes. I'll show Tony the picture in a minute uh, and the, see what he thinks. The last time I played an extravagant leave while batting, the middle stump nearly impaled the wicketkeeper. Oh, no, that, no, that didn't happen. Um, that didn't happen. Mm. Um, and there is actually a photo on there. And as I say, pl- please go onto our social media pages and, um, and have a look at these photos because one of them actually got David Pipes quite excitable. I'm just showing it to Tony now. <laughs> it shows the it shows um it shows Jaffa with his uh, his leave, but the point is, look where the wicket keeper's hands are in front of the stumps. In front of the stumps, and no that ball. they all tell me should have been a no ball. Mm. Um. Anyway, go and have a look at him. It also shows a few pictures of our wonderful Rhiannon on there as well, and you know, a sign of the times, Tony. When we're talking about Eden. Rhiannon and yeah. um, Caitlin Pipes. Caitlin yeah. Pipes is what Dad David Pipes calls our Gert. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I'm sure she's always impressed as she grows older with that one. How, how, how old is Caitlin? She's 12. 12, yeah. I say, I'm, I'm looking forward to when, uh, when young Imogen Willis is on a, a football field with the ladies' team. It'll be, uh, it'll be a great day. Tomorrow... Um, 
we're going boxing and boxing is your sport it's not mine it's as simple as that it is i'm not uh funny how you like some sports and not other sports isn't it tony but boxing never has been at the top of my watch list but it, it is mm. somewhere in the top two of yours yeah i mean it's uh, it's, it's I, I think the bravery that you need to get into a boxing ring when there's somebody else in there that wants to knock your head off i think it's, it's just it's just a magnificent sport. so with all due respect to sam Hardy, who's about 12 but he looks 18 mm. and um and alfie briggs price lauren workman and chloe davis are coming to see us tomorrow night and when you talk about bravery uh, them two girls have got to be one hell of a pair of brave girls well uh, it's um I've, I've i've got very very um loose morals when it comes to sport and you know i mean if a girl wants to get into a boxing ring then you know good honor you know what i mean most parents most dads especially mums would say i wouldn't want a girl of mine getting into a boxing ring but if she's good you know why the hell not if she's not then get her out of there fast because it is a dangerous place to be but um as i said the first time i saw chloe i thought wow she's going a heck of a long way to use jaffa's phrase about this bowler chloe's going a long way in that sport so uh, I'll, I'll th- I'm look, look, looking forward to uh, to telling her in person that I'll, I'll, I'll be a, a long-term fan of her career. Excellent. And Wednesday night, talking of long-term fans, Jeff Weaver's co- uh, Jeff Weaver's <laughs> coming into the studio, and of course, um, yeah, um, when the when the Jeff Weaver Supporters Club was announced, um, <laughs> this radio show was was president of it. Um, uh-huh. So she's going to tell us because it's a big moment for her now because we talk time and time again about youngsters in sport but these youngsters eventually get to 18 yeah. and then they've got one hell of a decision to make haven't they yeah i mean does it's... sport think well that was great while i was a kid yeah but i mean so i i don't know we're gonna and t- one other thing because we're running out of time one other thing tomorrow night we're gonna start the show with a young lady who 100 percent will end up as an olympic sprint champion sooner <laughs> or later because once again she's been out there smashing records we'll start with amy hunt tomorrow night on radio new sport but coming up next it's a day but it's not susie q we are-